You're listening to the Peak Physique Podcast with Andre Adams on the NASM Podcast Network. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Peak Physique Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Adams, NASM Master Trainer and IFBB Olympian Athlete. This week, we've got a short and sweet episode on one of my favorite topics, which is chest development. So I'm going to lay out some tips for developing the chest, the pectoral muscles, for all you guys that are physique athletes, bodybuilders, or you're just looking to improve your aesthetics for, you know, muscular physique goal. So let's start with, you know, why is chest development important for physique athletes? And I'm going to give you some of my personal feelings about this because growing up, you got to remember, I grew up watching, you know, the pumping iron guys. So you had Franco Colombo and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Serge Nubre, all of these guys that had immaculate physiques. And one of the centerpieces of that body of art always started at the chest. So that was something that was always appealing, right? You get, you see the muscle guys in the magazines or on the beach and, uh, you, you know, they have very well-developed uh, pectorals, or you're looking at the superheroes, right? When you're watching cartoons as a kid. So for me, I was always interested in developing that area of the body, you know, in proportions to the arms and shoulders and the back and these things. But um, definitely, I think a high focus for young young boys and young men growing up. And I want to start by talking about the function of the pecs, right? Everyone's familiar with things like chest presses, bench press, push-ups, things like this. But if we actually look at the anatomical function of the pec muscles, we've got two main groups, right? We've got the pectoralis major and the pectoralis minor. So if we look at starting with the pectoralis major, the bigger, um, you know, the most dominant portion of the chest muscles, it's going to be responsible for moving the arms right proximal to the body. So inwards towards that center line and then also um, upwards, right? If we're thinking about sweeping or scooping that motion up, um, towards that collarbone area and, and also proximal towards the center of the body, that's going to be the pec major. Uh, if we think about the pec minor, that's going to be more responsible for bringing the shoulder and upper arm downward, right? Uh, so inferior motion. And if we look at the uh, innervated portion of it, right, the pecs are actually innervated by the lateral pectoral nerve. Uh, so just some anatomy kind of 101 for you guys. And if you think about the joint action for any of the most common uh, chest development exercises, right? If we're thinking about uh, chest fly, if we're thinking about a barbell or a dumbbell chest press, diverging or converging types of presses, um, all of these things have very similar joint action where we're targeting those three main motions that we just uh, talked about, right? One thing that, uh, I, so I'm a fan of this, right? And I, I enjoy reading different studies for hypertrophy and, and also specific muscle groups. Uh, but one thing that stood out to me recently, there was a newer study that talks about how much volume is enough or too much volume, right? There's always this kind of debate out in the industry of, is there a point at which even for trained, well-trained athletes that we start to hit the overtraining or, you know, athletic burnout? And that, that can definitely be an issue, right? But there's a newer study that says, hey, I know you guys are accustomed to 18 to 20 sets of training volume per muscle group per week, but there could be more, more than that for well-trained athletes. 
Um, this, this recent study I read was actually published by Med Science Sports Exercise on October 6th of this year. A uh, buddy of mine actually through social media, uh, Tacito Souza Jr. actually shared this and I found it fascinating. What this study dove into um, was actually 52 sets per muscle per week was the optimal number that they found. So one would argue, right, why and how can we achieve the adaptations at this really high volume um, comparing back to like, you know, 18, 20, 24 sets to now we're saying 52 sets and people that are developed enough are still getting results. And the basis uh, of the, the argument there is that as a beginner, right, the body, if you're training the chest muscles, for instance, isn't going to be as resilient and it's not going to have that muscle maturity to be able to support those higher volumes. But if we think about the terms like progressive overload, if we think about said principle, right, specific adaptations to impose demands over time, as the body matures, these muscles get stronger, they rebuild back higher than homeostasis levels, right? Over a, a period of time, these athletes actually experienced results at uh, as high as 52 sets per muscle per week. So that was something that I found very fascinating. So when we get down into some programming, I'm going to lay things out for maybe a beginner. I, I don't even, even want to say athlete, but somebody who is just a lifestyle client and then, you know, an athlete and then a really advanced athlete who's maybe been training for 10 plus years. So some good stuff there, but I encourage you guys go check out that article. Um, I found some really good insights there that give you just different ways to think about muscle hypertrophy and what the optimal training volume is per week. If you guys are just joining us, this is your boy, Andre Adams here with the NASM Peak Physique Podcast. We are talking about everything regarding chest development. So I want to share with you guys some of my favorite fundamental chest exercises. And I'll tell you some stories too, you know, kind of growing up. Uh, I, and I would always get asked about what are my favorite chest development exercises because that was one of my strongest features as an Olympian level physique athlete. And the truth is I started training with kind of the bare bones of equipment. I actually turned pro basically training out of my home gym, right? I did maybe 25% of my workouts in a commercial gym at the time, but my father actually started training me when I was 12, 13 years old and fundamental lifts for the chest. So a lot of uh, barbell bench press, a lot of um, dips. So if you think about parallel bar dips, right, where we're hinged forward and we're getting a little bit more into the chest, uh, a lot of pec flies, be it dumbbells or, you know, a pec deck, um, cable crossovers, these type of essential movements. And they were very basic. Um, you know, I, I laugh now looking back, like we kind of lifted like cavemen, right? We had a pair, a pair of dumbbells, some barbells and some plates and a bench. And that's what I went pro on. So you can really develop the chest through basic fundamental movements with enough volume and frequencies. And of course, you know, your nutrition has to be on point um, and you've got to be working the ancillary muscles as well so that everything's growing in proportion. But to get that thickness and the density in the pecs, uh, one thing that definitely helped me achieve that personally, even as a youngster was putting that progressive load and really getting enough stimulus on the muscle to get the response, right? And I started noticing changes at a pretty early age, probably 15, 16, 17 years old. I still remember some of my training partners when I was that age. And these guys were, you know, three, four, five years older than me. 
and I was trying to keep up with them. So I'm maybe 140 pounds back then, right? And I was bench pressing maybe 190 pounds, which is, I look back and I laugh, but we all start somewhere, right? And I remember struggling with that weight for so long, but I would be so sore for the next few days. And as you learn more about nutrition, you learn more about the recovery curve, you're able to you know, continue and progress. And then you're optimizing your form as well as you're getting more skilled on the, the actual movement. And to develop the chest, I started noticing a big change in the density and the strength from all my different chest exercises and also working complementary muscles. So if you think about the joint action and, and which muscle groups are firing during a bench press where you've got, you know, pec major, pec minor, that's really getting the grunt of the work. But then on different portions of that lift, you've got some recruitment from the lats, right? The serratus to stabilize and then the triceps to go through the elbow extension at the top, all of these ancillary movements, once you bring up those muscle groups, it actually makes your bench press go way up. And so I learned this at a very young age from, you know, being trained by my father at the time and then getting into powerlifting. And over those next three to four years from, let's say, 18 to about 21, I became a competitive powerlifter and I would compete in a what I would consider now a smaller class, right? I was cutting down to 165 pounds, whereas Today, I walk around as high as 240 pounds, but back then at 165, during those three years, just learning fundamental movements, increasing my strength, my muscle activation and density of the muscles, I was able to take my bench, pre bench press from about 225 pounds to just under 400 pounds at that 165 pound weight. And that was raw with no lifting straps or you know, assistance or anything like this. And what I noticed is as I started to build up all these different muscle groups that were supporting the movements like the chest and the fly and the dips. It allowed me to go much, much heavier on the, on the fundamental ones like the bench press. And then it just really accelerated the development through different parts of the chest. Now, one thing I want to pause and say there is as you get stronger and stronger, especially working with barbells for you physique athletes, when we're talking about an aesthetic physique goal, we need to keep in mind symmetry. So one thing that I noticed years later, once I got very heavy into bodybuilding is that I had an imbalance left to right, right? Aesthetically, you can see it. You can measure these things with, with a tape, or you can even hop on an in-body, right? Or a DEXA scan and see how much skeletal muscles on the left and the right. And so what you, what you end up doing is you get more advanced for chest development is you start to focus on unilateral movements. So things like an isolateral chest press, you know, you might want to work more with dumbbells than barbells. And, and it allows your body to remain symmetric, not only in strength, but also in uh, aesthetics, right in proportion. So that was one thing that as my chest training got more advanced, I started to break out more complex movements, more unilateral movements, uh, a lot more machine work too. As you get older, the joints, they don't they don't love the free weights, right? So I went from at, at my peak, bench pressing over 500 pounds to, you know, current state, I still bench press heavy sometimes, but for the most part, you can maintain a lot of that muscle mass and maturity just through really good quality movements on a machine or cables. As you heard myself and my good friend, uh, 2008, Mr. Olympia Dexter Jackson talk about on a previous episode. So as you get more advanced, start focusing on muscle activation, right? So the mind muscle connection, start focusing on fundamental movements, and progressive overload as you get stronger throughout your lifts. 
that's going to help you develop different areas of the chest. So definitely go through different movements too, right? And incorporate a variety of movements that have that, you know, that movement where we're bringing the recruiting more of the pec major, we might be sweeping up towards our collarbone, right? Proximal to the body. Um, you know, you might be getting that extra stretch through a chest fly. So make sure that you're moving through a variety of movements and planes of motion. Um, even some things like a TRX chest press, which a lot of physique athletes might not think about, but it helps you stabilize and recruit different muscle fibers that maybe you normally wouldn't. Um, so we'll touch on that in a moment too, about different phases of our OPT model and how those can be incorporated into your chest development as well. So again, if you guys are just joining us, it's your boy, Andre Adams, NASM master trainer and IFBB Olympian athlete. We're talking about how to develop those IFBB pro chest muscles. So let's get down into some programming. You know, we talked about some of my favorite exercises and I'll maybe run through a few more, everything from, um, I do love me some barbell bench press. I can't lie. However, again, as you get more advanced in the physique training, you do want to break those apart a bit with some more unilateral, isolateral work. Uh, but I love uh, incline dumbbell chest press as well, where you're blasting not only this upper portion of the chest, which is very hard to develop, but it allows you to actually converge at the top and really get that extra squeeze in the inner upper portion of the chest, which is very difficult to achieve for most physique athletes. Uh, Nautilus Nitro Pec fly. If you have not seen one of these, I highly encourage you to Google it, look it up, find one near you. We've got one in our gym at Snap Fitness Kenosha, and uh, it's, it's an amazing piece of equipment that allows you to sweep the arms down. You're actually loaded at the upper arm versus, you know, holding um, a traditional pec fly at the wrist where you've got multiple joints. You actually load it right at that upper arm, and it allows you to get down into almost a most muscular type of pose and really blast that outer and then right down the center of the pecs. So great piece of equipment, one of my fundamental staples for chest development. And then we've got things like uh, old school pullovers, if, you, if you're not familiar with them, where we're taking that easy curl bar off the floor, we're supine flat on our back, and we're working through, this is a great one actually for a, a chest and back day, but we're pulling over and at the top of that movement, we're gonna definitely get some really good pec activation the serratus anterior, and then you're also going to get some upper lat and teres involved on the initial portion of that movement. So I love some old school pullovers, um, loaded parallel bar dips. You know, if you're feeling pretty hardcore that day, you're getting stronger, body weight's not enough. You can always put some weighted chains around the neck or use a weighted belt to give yourself some extra loading and resistance on parallel bar dips. Um, supine lateral or uh, unilateral dumbbell raise. So that's one again where we're breaking apart left and right and we're going to be sweeping and scooping that arm up where our hand is supinated and we're flexing that pec major as we're sweeping that dumbbell across our center line you can do this with a cable as well another great way if you've got a lagging side you want to prioritize that side first let that one determine how many reps you're going to do on on the on the uh the dominant side right so definitely incorporate at least one unilateral movement per uh, per workout for the chest. And then I'm going to leave you guys with this too. Let's, let's think about what would a full chest workout look like? There's a million different ways we could do this, but I'll give you one good example of how I might piece together, uh, we'll call it an intermediate uh, chest routine for you guys. So one, one thing that I want to definitely make sure that you guys are incorporating is your warm-ups activations. We want to make sure that 
all that muscle fascia is moving efficiently. The joints are moving efficiently and everything's nice and stable before we begin, you know, anything like a heavy chest press. So I like to warm up three to five minutes cardio, get some oxygenated blood flowing through the body, get you primed up. You know, if you had your pre-workout, it's an opportunity to get that circulated through your body. And then we're going to do some foam rolling and stretching. I try to keep this to five minutes or less, right? Because we're all on a tight schedule. After work, you're trying to get your workout in or before work. So try to keep your warm-ups about five minutes or less. If you feel tightness anywhere specifically, those are the areas I like to focus on with some static or dynamic stretching. And then, you know, for me personally, I tend to get some tightness or, you know, sticking in the upper lats and teres, even across the serratus. So I'll usually hit those with a foam roller real quick. I've even seen some great content on NASM channel recently on Instagram. So um, definitely follow along because we're constantly posting tips on um, warmups and activations. Once I get through my stretches and my foam rolling, the next thing I do is go into at least two to three movements that are going to get those, um, those shoulder blades, right? The scaps nice and stable. We're going to get those rotator cuffs moving. So you could do some external rotations with some bands, um, you know, where we're getting all the small uh, muscle fibers and, uh, you know, the secondary muscles firing around the rotator cuff. Um, I do like to do some scapular push-ups, especially if you're prone to things like winging of the scaps, um, things that are going to help get everything firing in the in the right direction. Uh, another one of my favorites, and this could actually be uh, an entire workout for a phase two, like strength endurance type of workout, is stacking, let's say, my first one to two feeder sets of a chest press. Um, let's say I'm doing a lighter weight there, right? 10 to 15 reps just to warm up, get the joints moving. And then I might stack that with one or two sets of stability ball push-ups. And I know it sounds like it sounds pretty easy for a lot of you guys, right? Because you're in an elevated position. Um, I dare you to try it. This is actually one of my favorite routines for activating the pec muscles and also increasing shoulder stabilization. So, you know, you can put that ball right up against the bench or hold it against the wall. You want to make sure that core is nice and tight, set those scaps and shoulders in position, and then take yourself through 10 to 15 uh, push-ups on the stability ball before you get into your heavy chest work. Now you're ready, right? You're primed up. You're ready to go. So for this workout, and I encourage you guys to try this. Try this. Tag us on Instagram later. I want to get some feedback. Um, if it's a bench day, let's say we're doing five sets of bench. We're going to work through maybe six to 12 reps primarily sticking in that hypertrophy phase. But for you guys that like to lift a little heavier, by all means, you can pyramid up each set until you're at that top working set and take your pick, right? You can start flat. You can mix in some incline or decline. If you tend to have a lagging area like myself, I tend to do a little bit more incline work now since the lowers are more developed than uppers. So you got to kind of tailor this to your physique and your personal goals. But I would start with some form of a heavier compound press and then pyramid up in weight, you know, each set, five sets, six to 12 reps. Um, keep a moderate tempo there, right? So about two seconds eccentric, two second concentric, um, you know, and you can mix in some different very, uh, you know, variables in there as well. But I like to start there, get my heavy stuff out of the way first while I'm fresh. I normally don't superset my very heavy compound movement. Same thing on leg or back day, right? I don't like supersetting my um, deadlifts or my heavy back squats. And we're going to apply that same principle to chest press. Now, once we've got that heavy compound movement out of the way, we're going to want to get 
more of those auxiliary or ancillary movements. So uh, exercise two, let's go with line pullovers, right? We're going to blast. This can be on a chest day or it can be mixed in into a chest and back day. Um, eight to 12 reps sticking in that hypertrophy range. Uh, you can do these a number of ways. You can do them standing on a cable stack where we're sweeping the arms down with the hips hinged forward a bit and really getting into that upper lat and that insertion point by the terrace. Uh, I prefer personally to do them supine laying flat on my back on a bench, and I like to use an easy curl bar. I feel like I get the best stretch out of this, and I also get the best pump and muscle activation from my body. So I encourage you to try different modalities and see what you feel the best response with for your body. But I'm going to go with supine uh, lying pullovers with an easy curl bar, and then I'm going to step it up a notch for you advanced guys and girls out there. Once you bring that bar over to the chest, you, if you're really feeling aggressive on chest day, you can actually integrate a, a close grip chest press with that pullover. And then you would alternate those two movements from a close grip chest press back to the pullover. I like to work through those eight to 12 reps, four sets. After that, let's go to chest flies, right? We've got to get at least one motion here where we're really stretching out that muscle fascia. And some of the top forms or modalities for that could be a cable chest fly, it could be a seated pec deck. It could be that Nautilus Nitro inverted pec deck that I just shared with you a bit earlier. I'm going to stick with free weight since that's how I turned pro back in the day. We're going to go dumbbell chest flies. So laying on your back, or you could do this in an inclined position, you know, 45 degrees or less, if you have some uh, lagging areas again in the upper chest. And you want to go, one important thing when you're doing those, those kind of chest flies, you'll see a lot of the guys and girls online that, you know, they're really, really got this extended range of motion. Uh, you got to be careful there so you don't have any injuries to the biceps, tendons or ligaments and things like this. So I, I encourage people feel the tension through the full range of motion and focus on that half second contraction up top where you're really getting deep into those pecs. Don't overextend on the way down. It's one of the common mistakes I see where people eventually it leads to injury. So make sure you're staying within a safe range of motion constant tension throughout that full range, hard squeeze on the top of those dumbbell or cable chest flies. Let's go with four sets there, eight to 12 reps, anywhere from zero to 60 seconds of rest between sets, and feel free to mix in a superset of another chest exercise. But after we get through those chest flies, I like to finish up by blasting the inner portion of the chest, right? So something like a spend press, if you're not familiar, you can take two plates, let's say two tens or 225s and i want you to mash them together which is going to require some uh some tension right inward which is going to activate those pecs and then we're going to normally lay on let's say a 45 degree inclined bench and we're going to be pressing those straight out perpendicular to the body and again that's going to recruit all different areas of the chest from the pec minor to the pec major even getting down into those fibers down the center of the chest that are really hard to reach so um, I like to stick there three to four sets. Those are a little higher volumes, typically lighter weight, 12 to 15 reps, good time under tension there to really blast those pecs and fully exhaust them, burn them out at the end of your chest day. And you, my friend, have just finished a really solid chest day. Now, as you get more advanced, let's, let's think back to that article that we mentioned, right? The 52 sets per week versus 20 to 24. You could slowly start to progress the either the intensity, you could progress the load and the resistance you're using, or you could progress the sets and rep volume, depending on what your goal is and how fast you re, you know you're able to um, attain those adaptations throughout the pec muscles. 
So guys, that's the essence of what I wanted to communicate to you today. For all of you that have asked me over the years, Andre, how have you developed those Olympian level pecs? That's my formula. I stick to the basics, stick to what you know works, and then start to sprinkle in some variety and progressions over time. And I promise you, you will see some results. So for you guys that are just tuning in, or if this is your first episode, you can find me on Instagram. It's at Andre Adams Official. And you can also find uh, email me if you have questions and things that you'd like to ask me personally. And I always encourage you guys too, if you've got ideas for us that you'd like us to present on the, sh on the show, on a subsequent episode, by all means, email me. It's trainingbydre at gmail.com. Or you can get a hold of me through the website at www.andreadamsofficial.com. And all we ask for this content, if you're enjoying it, if you feel like you learned something today, I encourage you to please share it with at least one friend. And we look forward to seeing you guys back on the next episode. Signing off.